This is Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 15, and it says this, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I, w- I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. All right, let's stop there. Last Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do thank you for another opportunity to gather together as uh, your church, as your children. And Lord, we do pray that uh, as we would have uh, sung earlier, as we would have uh, given to you earlier, that you would have been honored uh, both in our hearts and in our minds, that you would have uh, been glorified. But also, Lord, as we open up your word, uh, may you again uh, be glorified. And so, Lord, as we um, think about Paul and, and um, the path that he was on is, and his calling and salvation and preparation and all of these things that you did in his life, uh, we thank you for continuing to work in our uh, lives. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use your word as you see fit. Fill me with your spirit and uh, allow me to communicate uh, your word and uh, your uh, blessings and promises this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get started, let's review. So a couple of things that we brought up last week uh, that is important to our conversation and why Paul is uh, talking about the things uh, that he's talking about. So there is some... um, trials, some conflicts that are happening behind the scenes uh, there in the church. And so some people have come in and they've really tried to um, distort the gospel. They've tried to attack the gospel. There's a second thing that they are doing and they are attacking God's apostle Paul. And so that's one of the reasons why last week we looked at uh, Paul, God's apostle, and so that was one of, the, one of the attacks that they had against uh, the gospel was you can't trust the gospel that Paul has given you because his, his uh, direction, his motives are misled. And so remember they brought up two arguments against Paul. Number one, the first argument was that he was a rogue minister, that he was never confirmed by the church He just went out and he started doing this, and the church never really gave him permission to do it. And then the second thing was that uh, Paul was relaxing the law so that there would be more converts. And so Paul was saying, you don't, you got to accept Jesus Christ uh, by grace alone, and you don't have to do circumcision or the rest of the Old Testament or Mosaic Mosaic law. And uh, so these Judaizers were really trying to convert these new Gentiles into Judaism. And they were saying, no, 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 no. You need to also follow the law. And so they were trying to put uh, God's people back under the Abrahamic covenant. And so we see Paul's argument. We looked at this last week, and I'm going to start with this because we're going to use it as as a a bookend. The very first thing is his first argument in verse 10. So look down at verse 10. It says this. For am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we looked at this last week that Paul's argument is this. You guys know me. So Paul had a relationship with uh, with these Christians. Uh, Paul had visited there and 
and uh, been a part of starting that church on his first missionary journey. And so he had a relationship with the church. The church knew who he was. And so the question that he posed to them is, who am I serving? Am I a servant of man or am I a servant of Christ, is his words. And so today we want to explore that argument a little bit further as we look at the history behind Paul's salvation, calling, preparation, and ministry. So what we're going to do, and we kind of alluded to this last week, we're actually going to be going over into Acts chapter 9, which talks about Paul's account of when he became a Christian. So we're going to be looking at that and really looking back and forth. And so if you have your Bible today, you're going to want to put a bookmark there in Galatians chapter 1. You're also going to want to flip over to Acts chapter 9. We're going to be flipping back and forth between those two areas this morning. So the very first thing that we need to understand is, first of all, Paul's calling. So God's grace upon Paul. Of course, we know his history. So so Paul was a man that was working up in in the ranks of the Pharisees. Matter of fact, uh, Paul says that he was actually promoted or rising faster than other people that were his same age. And so this was a man that, that really had a drive and a will to please God. And of course, um, in his testimony as a Pharisee, he was just following the traditions of the fathers, he says. But then God's grace came to him, and so we see this in verse 15. This is part of our scripture reading this morning, and he says this, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. So he talks about God's grace upon his life. All right, so hopefully you've had some opportunity to turn over to Acts chapter 9. Now, to get started, we're just going to look at the very two verses of Acts chapter 9 because I think it's important to our argument this morning. And so notice in verse 1, it says this, But Saul, that is Paul, Saul is is, is, um, the name he used to use, and then he started going by Paul, so his original name was Saul there. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked them for letters to the synagogue at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, what is Saul, what is his goal here? Well, his goal is to find anyone that is belonging to the way and really to throw them in prison and probably to kill them. All right, that is Paul's desire. He's really uh, pushing back against this idea of Jesus Christ. Uh, coming back from the dead, all right? So he's pushing back. Matter of fact, he uses the word belonging to the way. Now, as I started studying this this last week, and, and something that Paul said last week was this. Paul said that I did not receive the gospel from anyone, but I received it from Jesus Christ, a revelation of Jesus Christ. But then I began to think to myself, if Paul was searching for those who belong to the way, he would have to know what to look for. And if Paul was searching for people who belonged to the way, who was he searching for? Well, he was searching for Christians. Christians who by faith believed that Jesus Christ had come back from the dead. 
And I, I bring that to our minds because the question might be this. Could Paul have been exposed to the gospel prior to what we're about to read? And I think the answer is yes. That Paul would have known what was happening. Remember, he's rising up in the, in the rank of Pharisees. All right? He is connected to this Jewish religion. He knows what's happening, and he's pursuing Christians. So he at least has a little understanding of what Christians are and why they're following Jesus Christ. You say, well, he says that he was, he was uh, received the gospel from Christ. So how do we reconcile these two ideas? Well, first of all, we need to understand that it's possible for someone to hear the gospel but not to receive it. All right, it's possible for someone to hear the gospel but not receive it. Matter of fact, it happens all the time. And so sometimes the gospel is shared, whether it's a friend to a friend or a relative or a spouse or a parent to a child or maybe it's a co-worker to a co-worker, or maybe it's in a place just like this in front of a church. And the gospel is presented, and they hear the way to God, but they don't receive it. Instead, they leave it right where it is. And so it's very possible that Paul did hear at least a little bit of the gospel, but never received it. Now go ahead and flip in, your, in, in Acts there uh, towards the back, Acts 24. Acts 24, we're going to look at verse 22, Acts chapter 24 and verse 22. And as you turn there, let me give you some context here, all right? And so uh, those, uh, those that were really uh, against uh, Paul and his teaching, uh, they had seized him. He was brought before um, the high priest Ananias. And uh, questions, and so Paul talks about uh, the resurrection, and he talks about the fact that he does believe that Jesus Christ came back from the dead. And there actually begins to be an argument before, be, between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and the argument gets very heated. There actually begins to be fighting, and Paul's life is now in danger. And so what ends up happening is Roman soldiers actually break in there and they grab Paul and they take him out to protect him. They put him in a safe place. And why would they do that? Because Paul is a Roman citizen. And so they did not want Paul to be murdered by Jewish people, by, by these Pharisees and these Sadducees. So he's taken and he's actually presented before the governor. The governor is Felix and that's who we're going to look at right now. And so notice here in Acts 24, 22, but Felix, that is the governor, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, again, that's the way that we just saw that Paul was after, accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, when Lysaurus, the tribune comes, I will decide your case. Now, what is this governor doing? What is Felix doing? He has understanding of the way. So he has an understanding of what Christians are doing. He has an understanding of why there's a dispute between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and between Paul. And so uh, this man, Felix, he doesn't want to make a decision. 
Because when he looks at the evidence, he says this, Paul is innocent of the charges, I should let him go. But if he does that, then the, the Pharisees will be upset. And one of his jobs as a governor was to make sure that everyone stayed calm and organized, that there wasn't any uh, revolting. And, and so he put Paul in jail. And what he did is he just said, I'm not going to make a decision. And so he just left him in jail. Now, why do I bring up Felix? Well, Felix had an accurate knowledge of the way, and yet he did nothing with it. And I think Paul is in the same way, that Paul has at least some idea of what a Christian is and what the way is, for he's looking for those who belong to the way but he has never received it. And so when does Paul receive the gospel? And that's from Jesus Christ. And so we see this in the, in the very next part here. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. So Paul... Again, if we're thinking about this idea of, of he's looking, he's, remember he's on the road to Damascus, he has papers, or at least he's asked for papers, to be able to seize anyone who belongs to the way. And so he has an understanding of who it is that would belong to the way. And so he has an understanding, at least a little bit, of the gospel. And then Jesus confronts him on the road to Damascus, and, and Paul's first words are what? Who are you, Lord? And Jesus Christ reveals himself, I am Jesus Christ. Paul at least understood a little bit of the gospel, for when he heard of Jesus Christ, he immediately knew whom he was speaking to. And so Jesus Christ really gave him the evidence that he was missing. See, he did not believe. He heard but did not believe it wasn't until God revealed to him Jesus Christ that uh, he was convinced that Jesus Christ did in fact die and he was buried and that he rose again and he was standing before him. And so look at verse 8 there. Paul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus and for three days... He was without sight and neither ate nor drank. And so after this, this encounter with Jesus Christ, it left Paul blind. It left Paul in darkness. Paul could not see. He was, he was led by the hand. And notice, he did not eat and he did not drink. What happened on that road really shut, shook Paul to the core. Here Paul was, he was really after, remember, he's on the road right now to go and find people who belong to the way 
and to be able to arrest both men and women, to throw them in the jail, and, and really to be persecuted, to probably kill those people. And here he is confronted by Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that Jesus Christ says, why are you persecuting me? Now, was Paul persecuting Christ? Well, Paul is persecuting the church, those who follow the way of Jesus Christ. But when we're part of the church, we're part of Christ's body. We have died with Christ, and we will one day rise again just as Christ has. And so Christ refers to the church that Paul is persecuting as himself. This reminds me, as, as I think about what Paul is going through here, as, as he's kind of processing, and I can only imagine uh, seeing Christ and then, and then being blind for three days and just reflecting on some of the things that you've done, some of the things that you've said, some of the things that you witnessed, some of the men and women you've taken captive, and now to be confronted with the fact you are wrong. And for three days, Paul sat without eating, without drinking, reflecting on what just happened to him. It reminds me of Zechariah in uh, Luke chapter 1. So remember, uh, Zechariah is uh, John the Baptist's uh, father, and Zechariah is serving there in the temple, and the angel Gabriel comes to him and says, you're going to have a baby, and he, and he doesn't believe. And so what does the angel do? The angel uh, really makes him so he cannot speak until the baby is born, and and uh, he, he uh, names uh, the baby. And uh, that entire time, I imagine Zechariah, as he was waiting for that pregnancy, not being able to speak was a constant reminder that God was going to do just as he said he was going to do, and I did not believe the angel. Now, his was for months, Zechariah. Paul was just for three days. But Paul was in darkness. Paul was blind. Paul did not eat, and he did not drink. And it's really important that we understand that because we're going to see what happens after he's comforted uh, by another Christian. And so first of all, we see that, that way of grace. That Paul no doubt had heard the gospel, or at least understood a little bit of the gospel, but never received it. It wasn't until Jesus Christ was standing before him that he received the gospel. Then we see another path. So, so this is what God does. Paul is, he's headed in this direction. I almost think like a, like a fork in the road, and you could either go left or you could go right, um, or maybe a, on a train track. Uh, sometimes you have that uh, switch that uh, switches tracks, and you could go left or you could go right. And Paul's headed in one direction, and all of a sudden God intervenes in his life on the road to Damascus, and he switches that track. Now Paul is headed in a completely different way, a way that is amazing, a way that other people see, not just Paul. And so we see that other path that he has put on. Look at Galatians 1.16. So flip back there in Galatians and look at verse 16. In verse 16 it says, was pleased, that is, he was pleased, or God was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him amongst the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. All right, so Paul says that um, 
God revealed his son to me. That word revealed in the Greek has the idea of, of hidden and then seen. It's, it's also the idea that some may have seen it, but I had not seen it. And so Paul says that it was revealed to me, something that was hidden and then revealed to me. And who revealed that? It was God himself revealed his son to me. All right, so what happens as Paul continues on his path? We'll flip back to Acts chapter 9 and look at verse 10. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Parshish named Saul, he, uh, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now look at verse 13. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. All right. So this man saw... He has already a testimony amongst the church. He is not a good man. Matter of fact, Ananias says, tells the Lord, I've heard of him and he is doing much evil against your followers. So let's see how God continues. And here, or, uh, let's see, look, look at verse 14. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who are called to your name in verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. All right, so God just switched the path that Paul was on. He confronted him on the road to Damascus. By God's grace, Paul was saved. He received. Then God said, I have a purpose for you. Verse 15. He's going to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. God already has a plan for him. But I want, to, I want you to notice verse 16. That he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now Paul was not switching a track of, of a hard life of a Pharisee. All right, All the rules and regulations and and studying, and, and debating. He wasn't switching a track of, of a hard path to be a Pharisee to an easy path of spreading the gospel, all right? Paul was really switching from a, a life full of rules to another hard life of obeying God because God knew there was going to be pushback against Paul's life, that as Paul communicated the gospel, that, that there would be enemies against the gospel. And so the very first thing that we see Christ really called him to and put him on this new path was to preach Christ. Preach Christ to the Gentiles. And you think about all that Paul did endure. All that he went through. All the challenges. All the persecution. Being beat or stoned or left for dead or, or possibly even dying and seeing heaven for a short time before coming back to earth. Paul went through a lot 
He did not switch a track from a hard track to an easy track. But at the end of his life, he said this. This comes from Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that was really Paul's pattern of his life. He, is, he was saved. He was not his own. He was bought by a price. And so he looked at his life as, I am God's. I am God's. And so however God decides to use me is how God decides to use me. And really, the way that he could do this was because he rested in God. He rested in God. And really, as Christians, we too must rest in God because uh, truly in the world today, it's not becoming easier to live as a Christian. Now, we don't have a projector today, but this is not persecution, all right? We have comfortable chairs we have air conditioning and lights, all right? We are not threatened that, that someone might come in, break us up, haul us off to jail. That's not what we're concerned with this morning. But that's what the church was going through during Paul's time. And Paul would be the person that would come in and break up a meeting like this and throw us in jail. And then his life was changed. And then he was the one leading the meetings. He was the one preaching the gospel. He was the one going down to the synagogues and telling them, you guys are wrong about this Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus has come back to life just as he said he would. And so he was called for a purpose and he rested in the Lord. Notice there in verse 17, this is Acts 9, 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, and the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and notice and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there is a difference between being spirit indwelled and being spirit filled. All right? There's a difference between indwelt by God's Spirit and being filled by God's Spirit. Let me tell you the difference here. Being indwelt by the Holy Spirit happens at conversion. It happens once in your life. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible says that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. That really the Holy Spirit in our life is a seal, it is a promise that we have that we will one day be with God forever and ever and ever. That is God indwelt. That happens once in our life, right? We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into our life, and he takes up residency in our life. That is the Holy Spirit indwelt. But there's a second thing that is talked about in the Word of God, which we just looked at, and it is this. There are times in Christians' lives where we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit can happen multiple times, over and over and over again in a Christian's life. All right? So being indwelt is a, is a promise. The Holy Spirit comes in inside you, and, and now you are God's. All right? There is a promise placed, a seal, like, almost like a brand that has been placed upon you. You are God's. All right? 
But then there's another idea of being spirit-filled, and that is the idea of being spirit-controlled, spirit-empowered. All right, And that's something that we should also have in our lives, where we are yielding ourselves to God, and that God is using us to accomplish his plan and his will. And so we see as Paul starts off that when Ananias comes in, not just to give him sight, but to really tell him what God's plan for him is and to fill him with the Spirit. And so as Paul served the Lord, he had to rest in God's power. He needed that help through the Holy Spirit. Because truly he could, he could preach the gospel and he could share the gospel and he can confront uh, sinners and, and, uh, and, and Judaizers, but if the Lord wasn't behind him, they would be empty words. And so what he really had to do is he had to rely on the Lord. He realized that he planted and, and that others watered, but it was truly God that gave the increase. And so anything that Paul accomplished was not accomplished by his own, and I don't think Paul would say that anything he accomplished was accomplished on his own. Instead, he would say this, anything I have accomplished is through the grace of God. And so Paul rested in God for ministry. And so we see uh, the conclusion of, of his encounter there in verse 18, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he arose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Now, one of the reasons why I, I brought up this idea of being in darkness and, and not eating and not drinking is because we see a, a restoring of Paul, restoration, a, a recommissioning. Remember, he's just considering everything that has happened. He's considering everything he has gone through as he's there blind. But then as he begins, he gets his sight back as he receives the Holy Spirit or, or he's filled with the Holy Spirit, I should say. Then we see that he is strengthened, that he arises, that he takes food, and his eyesight comes back. And so for Paul, this is an encouraging thing, that God is not finished with him. God's not going to judge him and leave him blind, but instead God is going to use him and really use him in a great way. So what do you do if God calls you to go into full-time ministry? All right, that's what God is doing. God is calling Paul to be an apostle. God has a job for Paul. Paul's going to preach the gospel. So what does somebody do? Well, somebody prepares. That's exactly what we see Paul do as he continues down this path. So first of all, if you're keeping notes this morning, God saved Paul, God called Paul, and then Paul prepares for ministry. Flip back into, uh, flip back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, and notice that second part of Verse 16, it says this, I did not immediately consult with any, anybody, uh, anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Now, the very first thing that Paul did is he actually sought some solitude, some quiet time, and so he retreats into um, Arabia. And so he, he goes and he really spends some time just getting an idea of what this is all going to entail. He begins to study. He begins to pray. He begins to think about how his life is going to be different. Remember, there's been a path that's been changed. He was headed in one direction. God switched the track. He's headed in another direction. He retreats, and he has really kind of like a spiritual retreat. So he's thinking about his past. 
And now he's thinking about his future. And he's reconciling everything that he's been taught as a Pharisee. All of the patterns of the fathers, all the traditions of the fathers, and now he's reconciling that with grace, with the gospel. And so he retreats for a little while and he begins to prepare himself for what God has for him. But he doesn't simply do that. Flip back over into Acts chapter 9. And so uh, starting there in that second part of verse 19, it says this, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And so he didn't simply retreat back into solitude and didn't talk to anyone. Instead, really, he prepared his life for what God had for him. And then he sought fellowship and partnership with the disciples, with other disciples, other followers of Jesus Christ. And so Paul spent some time with the Lord. He got away. He had a spiritual retreat. And then he got around other believers to be encouraged and to encourage. And he starts a work. This is his very first ministry. He hasn't gone to Jerusalem yet. He hasn't talked to any of the apostles. But he starts his ministry right there in Damascus. And so notice there in verse 20. And he immediately he preached Jesus in the synagogue saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this man who made havoc in Jerusalem on those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Paul prepared himself for ministry. He went away, he had some time with the Lord, and then he went back to Damascus and he began to preach Christ. And people were astonished. How is it that this man was on this path and then now he's on this path? And so people are amazed at what is happening. And so Paul launches off into ministry. And really that's the, that's the fourth thing that we see. And so first of all, we see that salvation. Then we see that calling. Uh, then we see that preparation. And then we see his ministry. So Paul's life has changed. He's on a new path. He has prepared for that path. And now he begins to serve the Lord right where he is. And so notice there in, in Acts chapter 9 as he begins to serve the Lord in verse 23. Then many days had passed and the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and left him... Uh, and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. Paul was so focused, so engaged in what God had for him, that uh, he started to make enemies. That as he's communicating Christ, as, as resurrected, some of the Jews began to plot to kill him, and he escaped. He ended up getting away, and, and what did he do after that? Well, he probably went to Jerusalem after that. So he went to Jerusalem to seek out the apostles, to get some encouragement, maybe some wisdom, maybe to ask the apostles, all right, so this is what I've done so far. God has called me, all right? I have prepared. I have started in ministry, and I was in Damascus, 
but you know they were about to kill me. Luckily, I was able to escape. And so he leaves and he goes to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles. Look at verse 26. Uh, when he had uh, came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Again, Paul's testimony before the church was already that this guy is an evil guy. They were afraid of him. In verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly the name of Jesus. Now Paul is not only has, has the Lord switched his track, he was on one path and then he got switched to another, but now slowly his testimony is changing as well. Paul was known to be going down this road. As a matter of fact, that very first verse there that we read, people said, whoa, we don't want to be a part of this guy. He's going down this road. And the Barnabas says, no, no, God has switched his track. He is now going down this road. He is going down this path. And so we see this ministry begin to unfold. And look at verse 29. And he spoke... And dis, uh, disputed against the Hellenists. Those were the uh, Greek-speaking Jews. And they were seeking to kill him. So right away again, here Paul is. He's, he's speaking the truth. And, and he begins to debate some people that had some wrong thinking. And they get upset. And they want to kill him as well. Paul never re re read the book, How to Build a Megachurch. All right, he, he was not a, remember that very first question that was asked, are you a people pleaser, are you a servant of men, or are you a servant of Christ? And the pattern that we see in Paul's life was that he spoke the truth even when it came to offending people. He spoke the truth. Now, as Christians, we need to make sure that we speak the truth in love. All right, in love. We ought to stand for the truth, but we don't purposely anger people. All right, that should not be our goal. And I don't think that was Paul's goal, was to purposely anger people. Instead, really, Paul was speaking the truth, and, and people did not like to hear the truth because it went against what, um, what they, how they were raised and what they had learned. But, of course, Paul was on that track, and he switched tracks, and he believed that they, too, could switch that track. And that's why we read this in Galatians uh, 1.18. So notice, go flip back. So what we've been doing is we're looking at what he says in, in Galatians chapter 1, some of his history. Then we're going back to the account in Acts chapter 9. So flip back to Galatians chapter 1 and see what he says there. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to visit uh, Cephas, that would be Peter, and remained with him 15 days. Okay, so that's the part we just saw. Okay, so he was in Arabia and Damascus for three years. He prepared and started the ministry, and all of that happened within three years until his life was threatened and he escaped. And then he went and he, he met with uh, some of the apostles, that would be Peter, but he was only there for 15 days. And why was he there for only 15 days? He began to speak the truth again, and people were out for him. So notice in verse 19, but I saw none of the other apostles. Apparently, they were not uh, present there in Jerusalem at the time, just Peter was. And then he says, except James, the, brother, uh, the Lord's brother. And the reason why he 
brings up James because James is a leader in the church. And so uh, he stands before and he talks to both Peter and to James, one of the leaders in the church, and he begins to tell them uh, what's going on. And he didn't stay there for long because after a while, after a short while, uh, he had to leave again because his life was threatened. All right, so let's review and uh, wrap this up today. Paul's going down the path of a Pharisee, all right? So he was rising up in the ranks. Other people his age, he was surpassing. He was a man that was zealous. Uh, he, was, he was all in for the traditions of the fathers, he calls it. So he was on this path. And he was so zealous on this path that he received papers that he could go and find anyone following or belonging to the way. That is the way of Jesus Christ. And anyone that was part of the church, any followers of Jesus Christ, he had permission to arrest and throw in jail. So that's the path that he was on. But by God's grace, God revealed Jesus Christ to him. So on that road, God switched that path that Paul was on. And he was confronted on that road. And though maybe he had heard a little bits of the gospel, as Christ stood before him, he realized it is all true. He was confronted and he received the gospel. That Jesus Christ did in fact die and he was buried and that he rose again. And that was one of the things that was a... a an important part of, of the New Testament church, they believe that Jesus Christ rose again. That's why we worship today on a Sunday instead of on a Saturday, like the Old Testament. Instead of on the Sabbath day, we worship on Sunday. And why? Because the church wanted to always remember that Jesus Christ came back to life. That we don't serve a dead Savior, we serve a risen Savior and so Paul was after those people who believed in the resurrection. And then Christ stood before him and he realized that everything he had heard was true. And that Jesus Christ did in fact come back to life. And so he begins to pursue God's will for his life. And God calls him to preach to, to the uh, Gentiles. And he begins to prepare and then he launches off into ministry and things are not easy. Things are difficult. His life is in jeopardy over and over again. But for Paul, it was all worth it. It was all worth it. And so we see this at the very end of Galatians chapter 1. Notice there in verse 22. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judah that, uh, that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Now, the reason why I want to end with that is because this is the bookmark to Paul's argument, all right? The very first, uh, or I'm sorry, the bookends, that first bookend is the question of this, guys, you know me, do I serve men or do I serve Christ? What we have done is we have explored Paul's path. The path that he was on and the path God put him on. And we see that last bookmark as he closes off this chapter. That he says this. 
and they glorified God because of me. That was Paul's desire. That's why it was all worth it for Paul to preach the gospel and yet to be persecuted. It was all worth it for Paul that he give glory to God. And really, that should be our desire as well. Do we give glory to God? Last week, we talked about this, that we're not all called to be apostles of the church, all right? We're not all uh, called to be evangelists or missionaries or pastors or pastor's wives or, or missionary's wives, but God does have a plan for each of you as Christians. The truth is this, we were all on one path, just like Paul was. And when we accepted Jesus Christ, God changed that path and he put us on another path. He has something for us to do. Now the very first thing that Paul did is he retreated and he prepared for what God had for him. And so as we think about what God has for us, have we taken time to refine our minds and our talents for the Lord? And if not, why not? If we really feel that God is calling us to do one thing, why wouldn't we prepare to do it to the best of our ability? And then that second thing is Paul didn't just prepare he relied on the Lord. Are we following through and doing what he has called us to do? Are we doing the job that God has assigned us? And why would we want to do that? For the same reason of Paul. The very end there, and they glorified God because of me. That should be our desire as Christians as well. That people would see Christ in us, and that people would in turn glorify God because of because they see Christ in us. And so that is my challenge to you today. As we see these bookends, Paul says, you know me, do I please man? Am I a servant of man or am I a servant of Christ? And then that last bookmark at the end of the chapter says, and people praised God. And so may we have a heart that is not being a man pleaser, but a God pleaser, and then may on the other side people be encouraged in the Lord as they come in contact with us. All right, let's go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we think about Paul's uh, testimony. We think about some of the conflicts. Being in, in, in ministry and is not an easy job, and it was not easy for Paul, and, and uh, Paul was not switching a, a track from a, a hard job as a Pharisee. Uh, to an easy job as, as an apostle of, of Jesus Christ, he was actually put on a path of, of a very difficult, very difficult job. And so, Lord, I don't know what our personal jobs are in this room. I know within your word you have given us certain things to do. There is certain things that we should all be doing. But then there are certain things in gifting that you have given to us as part of your church. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us, just as Paul answered your call and, and went forward in ministry, that we, that, that, that the way that you have equipped us, that we in turn would use it for your church as well. Whether it's within Wilton Bible Church or Wilton Christian Schools, or whether it's outside of the walls of the church and more in the global church as we share the gospel in our communities. 
And so, Lord, we do pray that you would use us, that, that uh, Wilton Bible Church, that, that our families, that our lives personally would bring you glory. That as people come in contact with us, they would see a difference in us just as they saw a difference in Paul. And in turn, they would turn and give glory to you. And so, Lord, may we show forth Christ and his love and his mercy through our life. May we share that grace with others. Again, Lord, thank you for what you've done in Paul's life. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen.